Welcome to The Bottleneck. The Bottleneck is a podcast dedicated to the love of factory and automation games. We're here to bring you the latest news and game reviews in the genre. I'm your host, Dave, joined by my fellow co-host, longtime friend, and virtual drinking buddy, Chris. We have decades of gaming experience across a variety of gaming genres and have, in the past couple years, shared a deep appreciation for factory and automation games. We are going to start off today, as usual, by talking about our first bottleneck. What's in the glass? Chris, what you got? Well, I got some homebrew. Uh, Some beer brewed for my Christmas party. Uh, it's the first time I brewed in over two years, so it was nice to get back into it. I have too many hobbies, let's just put it that way. And uh, this is a nice uh, German-style Kolsch. It's a nice German Pilsner, except it's brewed with ale yeast instead of lager yeast, as would be traditional with the style. So very delicious, low ABV, easy drinker, and uh, spot on for the style. I love it. Very good. What are you drinking? I hear you're on the opposite end of the spectrum tonight. Yeah. It is very much not a Kolsch. I am drinking some Bourbon County Coffee Stout. Um, Bourbon County is an annual release from Goose Island here in Chicago. Uh, Pretty accessible all over the country nowadays, but it used to be very hard to get a hold of. Uh, It's their delicious stout aged in bourbon barrels, and this one is infused with a bit of coffee taste. Uh, Always one of my favorites, despite their being purchased and... Uh, taken over by bigger companies it's still the the quality on this one does not seem to have flagged over the years so that's very very good yeah always one of my favorites yeah and if i recall that one oh yeah i was gonna say that one's probably almost 10 percent more than what i'm drinking because i'm at four seven i think that's 14 two or something Uh, something like that i'm not sure i'll have to go check so definitely a little more more boozy on it tonight yeah So then let's get started on the current events and news. Uh, first with the notable patches. Uh, the big one, uh, no, or not the big one, but rather first one on the list is Nova Lands had a large update hit uh, called Quantum Gravity. This adds a number of new buildings. The item collector filter that we, I believe we teased that last episode, um, as well as new Two new shops on the space station, new logistics, a new biome island, and two new quest islands. Yeah, that's a big update. I'm planning to revisit that one now. I really enjoyed playing through it. And it's not so long that starting over and playing through it again is very intimidating. So I'm going to have to try that. Uh, satisfactory update 8. Hit the main branch. If you have a potato for a computer, don't use this update. It is pretty intense. Um, graphics are definitely an upgrade. It's the new Unreal Engine. Um, yeah, things things change a lot. There's a ton going on in this update. Go check it out. Um, if you have a halfway decent computer, upgrade. Check it out. It's got a lot going on. Yeah, if you don't have a graphics card made in the last three years, four years max, then some of these Unreal 5 features are just gonna just just gonna crush it, especially the lumen and the global illumination. You check that box for global illumination, your FPS is gonna tank. And it's gonna tank on any system, to be honest, but you're definitely gonna notice it on, you know when you're starting from sixty FPS, it's a lot different than starting on forty. Right. And then Scorchlands added a new biome called the Bulblands. Uh, Scorchlands still uh, still trickling out updates. Uh, looks pretty interesting, but neither of us has really gotten very into this one. I'm have to check it out at some point. And Sweet Transit added roads. Um, honestly, this one I'm a little disappointed by this update. Reading about it, haven't actually played it yet. The train game. There was like a you you would have a one station for each thing that you're connecting, but now you can add roads, and one station can go to a bunch of different buildings if they're connected by roads. And it just seems uh, seems like it's getting away from the spirit of the game. But I haven't actually played it, so I don't know. I've, I've played Sweet Transit base game a little bit, but I haven't played the new update. Yeah, I haven't played it at all. Um, I saw it was a train simulator, but it's one of those. It's on the radar, just. Too too far down the, the backlog currently. 
Yep. And then Captain of Industry uh, showed some improvements to the game, including conveyor lifts and a more recognizable fluid system just to help with setting up. When you set up your pipes and all that, you'll be able to actually see where everything's going and what's in them. That's a big help. Yeah, Captain of Industry is another one that I plan to revisit someday, but I'll let them continue making updates while I play a million yeah, other have, games in my backlog. Yeah, yeah showed a lot of promise. Um, Dyson Sphere Program is releasing their Dark Fog, Fog Combat update on December 15th. By the time you listen to this, it will probably already be out, and I will be playing it. Uh, pretty excited for this, even though I'm not the biggest fan of combat in these games, and I love DSP as it is. I'll still definitely want to check this out and see what's going on with it. Yeah, I'm sure in addition to the combat, we're going to get a bunch of updates and quality of life and all that coming with it, too. I mean, I can't imagine they solely worked on it, but I'm with you. I think this is probably next to the Factorio expansion. I think this is my second most like wanted thing right now in the factory space. So, yeah, really it sounded like they had to refactor a lot of things. Um, I, I believe there are going to be some performance improvements, which is exciting because you know you could already build a huge factory before you really saw any performance hit but now hopefully yeah. it'll be even bigger unless yeah, think, of course uh, the enemies kill you and right, kill the right. performance mm-hmm. and then revive and prosper exited beta and went out into early access so that's one the general population can now go on to steam and purchase and give it a try yeah I think I played this for about a half hour in beta and showed promise, but it was pretty raw. So it looks like they've made a lot of updates since the beginning of beta, and I haven't played it since then. So it's going to be worth taking a look at at some point in the near future. Mm-hmm. Tectonica has been talking a lot about the next update, base building. Looks like they've got a lot going on. There's going to be a new production terminal, a lot of... Uh, ton absolute ton of new items to build to make your base look really interesting uh, a lot of cosmetic items for the base would be very neat and also some abandoned buildings out in the world have been added this is going to release sometime in the week of december 18th yeah i'll be curious how the the explosion of intermediates and all that stuff that they're planning uh, how that'll affect the factory builders you know so it'd be interesting to to see how that turns out so that'll be good it releases just in time for ski season i'll be traveling a bunch and this one plays really well on the steam deck so perfect looking forward to that hopefully i'll have a steam deck by then that'd be nice yeah and then steam world build came out uh it's on the xbox game pass it's somewhere between a colony builder and a factory game uh it's kind of got a short game what would you call that uh game game gameplay time yeah. short play time short play time yeah but overall not, not a super uh, deep game but right sounds fun nonetheless right and then there's a new demo out for a game called snacktorio that looks quite fun um i played the demo for a few minutes the fun twist on factory games kind of humorous it's about uh about making food basically to feed these strange interdimensional entities that will consume the world if you don't feed them so pretty neat yeah that sounds interesting indeed so this week we're going to recap and discuss the factorio friday facts that wubei software has been releasing on a weekly basis covering the upcoming Space Age and Factorio 2.0. So back in late August, Wubei dropped the big news that the expansion was on the verge of being released within the next year and promised to deliver continual updates. Well, they've done a really good job with keeping up and have released a near-weekly blog post covering the new and interesting functionality that is going to be coming with the new release. So what we're going to do is cover what's been divulged so far and just discuss the different features that are top of mind as we as we wait for the upcoming release and just so you know we're recording this on december 6th so we are through uh 
a fair chunk of the Vulcanus updates. I'm sure that there will be several more Friday facts uh, released since we recorded by the time you're actually listening to this, but we will probably have another one of these in another couple months. Yeah, especially if they have what, uh, they're adding four, four total planets, I think, and there's been several blog posts just for Vulcanus, so I'd expect uh, just as many for each of those new planets. So, yep, this is part one. Consider this part one of the of the Factorio expansion news. Yeah, and there is a lot to talk about. So we're we're very excited. So the first uh, the first thing that they talked about was smarter robots. They added a good bit of logic to help with efficiency around how robots are selected based on distance from the RoboPort to the destination. They added logic to help pathfind across long distances, especially. There are other logic improvements around queuing up the charge and bottlenecks when there are a lot of bots trying to charge at the same RoboPort. And you can set logistics requests on RoboPorts to ensure specific ports always have a certain level of logistics or construction bots. Yeah, so this is really helpful, you know, in areas where you might have your, your mall, for instance, or where you're having a lot of supply. Right now, as it sits, you know, the construction bots or logistics bots will go and construct something and then just store in the nearest RoboPort. So when it's time to expand the factory and move to other places, they have to travel all the way back to the central spot, pick up the items, and then travel all the way back. Well, now you can say, well, I want a thousand logistics bots near the mall at all times. And then no matter what, when some, a new blueprint gets placed, bam, they'll pick up the item and immediately start moving versus having to come all the way back. So they can come back in the free time, make sure that they're fully stocked up, and then get ready to go. And the uh, pathfinding addresses that big issue they had where if you had a big lake in the middle of your map and your bots are trying to move around it, well, the bots don't know to you know circumnavigate the lake. They try to take the direct path across. So, so with the new logic, instead of the robo the the bot getting halfway across the lake, running out of charge, and going backwards to the nearest charge port, it'll continue towards its destination and try to get there versus re- re- returning back to its previous spot. Huh. Sounds exploitable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this is a, a lot of the changes they've talked about so far uh, are fairly late game changes, but there are definitely also some uh, early game ones too. This is one that feels quite late game. Yeah, and it's also important to point out that this isn't a expansion only. Like this will be something that even the base vanilla game will get patched with, right? So this will be coming to Factorio 2.0. Yeah, that is very exciting that it's not exclusive to uh, to the expansion for all of these things. And then one of the next big changes that they talked about was item quality. So in a nutshell, there's going to be five levels of quality, and this applies to basically any constructed item. It could be wires all the way up to a, to a tier three uh, assembly building. You know, level one is basically the vanilla building and items as we see today. It provides no bonuses, but then going all the way up to level five, it's going to provide 150% bonus. Um, and then as you're using higher tier buildings to construct items and buildings, you have a higher chance of getting a, uh, a higher quality item or building as well. So at level one, you have like a, it's like a 0.01% chance of getting a legendary item. But if you create the item with the legendary building, it's like a 10% chance to create a, ten, a legendary item. So it's one of those that gives you a, an, an upgrade path more than just going tier one, tier two, tier three buildings. Now a tier three building has the ability to be improved as well. Uh, and then the, the bonuses, it, it it depends upon the item. If it's like a turret, it's going to have more range and do more damage. If it's a RoboPort, it's going to recharge faster. If it's a solar panel, it's going to generate more electricity and so on and so on, right? So whatever that building is there for, the bonus is going to boost what that building does. And then one big poor part of that is on top of creating higher quality buildings, you can create these pipelines that are trying to pump out. Well, what do you do with the other lower tier buildings? Well, they introduced a recycler to the game. And this allows you to break down items or buildings back into their components. 
and they said it'll return 25%. And this is, they said that's the sweet spot to where you can't get more items out of the recycler than you put in using buildings that had full productivity modules and all that. So it's to make sure that you're not creating items on a thin air, you know, just doing an endless recycle loop (laughs) and exploiting it. And this is one of the more, I would say, controversial changes um, because it's so random in a game that's so much about like efficiency and knowing what's going to happen. Um, I also don't love the way they named and colored the uh, quality upgrades. It's like normal, uncommon, rare, epic, and legendary. Feels like, uh, you know, mobile yeah. game. JRPG? Equipment <laughs> tiers. Yeah, it's just a little awkward, but uh, still, like, the concept is cool, and I think I've come around to to being excited for it. I'm just looking forward, because you won't need as many legendary items, right? So you can really start come compacting and instead of expanding the base by actually expanding the base, you can increase production now by upgrading the buildings from, you know, normal to legendary. Yeah, but so incredibly difficult to actually build higher quality items. It seems like that to work your way up to legendary. Yeah, And you're going to use a lot of resources up front too. Yeah. Right. A 0.01% success rate off of a tier one building for a legendary. That's uh, a. Yeah. I'll see how it goes. And uh, the next was about changes to research and technology. Uh, Possibly one of the most exciting changes in 2.0 is that the research queue will always be on from the get go. It's always been an option to turn on the research queue in the game uh, from the beginning, but it's felt a little weird because it's not. You know, it's not the way they designed it. It's the research queue is they strongly suggest it's meant for once you've already completed uh, the, the, the main research of the game. But instead, it will be set up from the beginning, um, which I've always kind of liked doing myself, but felt weird about because of the way it's uh, messaged in the game. And then another really interesting change that a number of other games like Tectonica or others um, have similar setups. It's uh, there will be triggers for research. So you'll need to craft a certain amount of an item or mine a certain amount of an item before you're able to do further research. So like you won't be able to research, you know, your steel pickaxe until you've made a certain amount of steel, things like that. It's uh, uh, you know, it's, it feels it feels very thematic in a way that I I personally like a lot, but I know some people are are a little annoyed about this and think it's sort of achievement-y in, in a way that feels a bit weird in the same way that I feel about the the different levels of quality. Right. Yeah, I think the big uh the big example they did was down in the Vulcanus update, right? Where they said, look at coal li- liquefaction to produce oil, right? Well, you're actually not landing on Vulcanus is what's going to trigger that re- that research to be available. You're just not going to get any more as just part of the blue research that we do right now. So that's a good example. And the reason for that, and we'll get to that later on, is that's going to become a very important part for Vulcanus. I don't want to spoil it too much. We got a whole section covering that, but <laughs> and then uh, another big one was an overhaul of the rail system. So right now, when you're placing rails and you're putting curves in, you're kind of limited, right? You could do like a 45 degree bend, and then you could do a 45 back to make an S turn, or you could complete it and do a full, a full 90 90 degree turn, and it was kind of choppy, right? So it was always a 45 into either a straight or another 45. And that's basically what we just had to live with for the last several years and how rails were, were done. And some of those rail paths, you couldn't place signals where you needed to or where you wanted to place signals because it wasn't a very smooth shape. It was a very jagged shape. So um, what they did is they updated the rail system 
to have more segments to it and also updated the the log the the algorithms that they use to generate the shapes to give more flexibility so so basically from a single straight rail and the example they showed is you can have four rails north and four rails south of it that can come off of that to straight rail so you can literally go from a single straight rail to a 10 lane rail off of one one shot right and it didn't require it only requires like 10 tiles of width to do that entire section where previously it would require well some of those shapes are Im impossible to start with and then yeah you um, have to do multiple splits on right on your different offshoots yeah so it's gonna it's gonna just create i mean I, and they and then they overhauled the uh all the graphics and all that as well in in doing this so they they redesigned it also they're updated and, and refreshed a little bit higher quality textures. Yeah, I've always loved having railroads in Factorio, but it's always been a huge pain to build the railroads without already having a blueprint for exactly what you wanted. So if you were and yeah, like trying to go around cliffs and things before you have a ton of cliff explosives or mm -hmm. around water before you have landfill, but that was all always quite annoying and this seems like it'll help a lot with that and and also when you're doing the uh the blueprint not the blueprint but the ghosted train lines right so you're trying to snap one train line to another and you're using the the built-in auto generated rail right right now it'll create some crazy shapes if you let it because oh yeah because of the uh, the limitation of the system well the new a big overhaul that's coming is that automatic pathing to connect two trail or two train lines together has been updated and improved greatly. So I'm going to make it much better. And then the following update uh, also talked about trains and is even more exciting. Um, they're creating rails that go above the ground. Finally, Factorio in 3D. <laughs> The, the first real upwards level to the game, I guess, other than bots flying over, I guess, if you want to count that. Yeah. Um, but the new rail ramp, touted as the new longest entity in the game, takes the rail to the second level. You can only place these in the four cardinal directions, which graphically makes a lot of sense. They wouldn't want to have to uh, do all, what, like 40 new directions or whatever. Yeah, plus plus uh, the length of this. the entity going on the diagonal take up yeah. a lot of real estate, right? Yep. Um, and yeah, your rail supports will be needed at certain intervals, so you can't just infinitely build on the second level over your factory. Uh, but you can place those over water as well, so it's not like you can't build over a large lake. Uh, and then you can place signals as normal on the raised rails, which makes sense. Signals on a train are sort of integrated with the rails. They're not, don't take up a lot of real estate to the side. Uh, it opens up a ton of possibilities at the second level, especially around intersections and express lanes. It will hopefully clear up a lot of traffic in your city blocks and such. Oh, yeah. Yeah, looking forward to the to the HOV lane. <laughs> yeah. You know, we got those out here in Phoenix. Got to have the HOV lane when... I'm not getting off here. I'm going to go sit in that for a while and it'll be nice. Uh, and also, uh, what was the one graphic they showed where like uh, the train depots where trains are coming and going from like a, a mining facility or something and being able to get up and over the base and back out of the main line looked really cool. They merged in. Yeah, yeah. finally raised rails. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So in the Factorio Friday fact that came next was around abstract rewiring. So this mostly reworked how wires are placed between poles and entities. For instance, you can drag a power pole if it's already attached to the wired network. And as you're dragging and dropping it, it'll actually attach the green and red wires for you. And then if you were to delete some of the, en the entities out of there, if it can rewire it, it'll actually re rewire it as well so you don't have to manually go in and reattach the green and red wire. So if it can, it'll keep the circuit intact. So that's a really cool thing. And then 
they did a whole bunch of graphical rework. I guess people, there's some people out there that complain that the shadows didn't match up with the bend of the wires and stuff like that. You know, I don't know who's looking that close, yes. but yeah, they did a ton of a uh, ton of rework around the graphics for it, and so hopefully people will be happy with the work that they did. Yeah, I as someone who rarely used circuits. It's hard to get too excited about these, but it definitely seems like they're going to be more usable after all the changes they're making, which we will get to more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple more uh, lo- logistics-related updates coming. Yep. Yeah. The next is about remote view. Uh, in the current version, you can remote view the area, but you can't really do anything while you're doing it. You can't interact with any entities. You can use blueprints, but that's about it. But in 2.0, you can remotely configure entities, including ghost entities. You can put ghost items into stores, change recipes, move belt directions, place Spidertron ghosts, remotely ghost the inventory and loadout. And overall, it's just, you know, things you wish you could have done via the remote view, the map view, right? Yeah, you now can do. It's just yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know about you. You're you're in remote view. You're halfway across the map, and you realized that you got a couple belts going in the wrong direction because you dragged a belt and you know the wrong way, and now your trains aren't loading properly. And you know, instead of the ten minute walk across the map, you could just do it via the remote view now. Yeah, I'm sure there will people who will be annoyed at this because they're purists about their uh, you know, you you need to walk back to what what you want to do. But if you've got bots there, why wouldn't you be able to manipulate it? Right. And then this really comes in handy with the planets. So when you pull up the map view now, there's actually a, the ability to select between your space platforms, between the different planets that are out there. So it's you know, I get why it's, they did it. <laughs> It's necessary for yeah. maintaining factories on multiple planets. Like, if you can't can't do this, then be awful. Right. Yeah, and something we're going to talk about in a couple updates here are around the reason this is important. You know, has to do with when you load into the rocket, you can't take anything in your personal self. You know, you can only take your weapon and your armor. So. It's very hard to bounce back and forth between planets to build stuff if you don't have stuff to build with and you know placing those ghosts are just makes it more efficient makes you wonder exactly what your uh inventory is you can't fit it into a rocket <laughs> anyways yep yeah so the next is space platforms um they went into detail around how the space platforms are created, how you expand upon them. Uh, simply enough, you have to load a platform, the command module into the rocket and launch it into space. And then once it's in space, you can then expand upon it. Expansion similar to how you currently place concrete or stone walk paths in the game, right? You could do hit plus or minus to increase and decrease the size and just build it similar to that. They have really cool animations they released in some of the more recent uh, Factorio Friday facts that show the actual animations that they're using. Um, the platform, at least in one of the updates I saw, it has to be con- contiguous. So they can't have any holes in it or anything. It has to be a solid object. You can't have like arms coming off of it or anything. Um, the asteroids, as you're flying around through space, are what will provide the resources to the platform. There's three main resources. There's an iron, a carbon, and then a, uh, it's like an ice asteroid. And those will give you your main fuel, the ammo for the, for the turrets on the space station. And then finally, space science will actually be produced on the platform's in space. So it's actual space science. You can see how it's created. You'll have to use the space platforms to create it. Yeah, and uh, space platforms are 
one of the more exciting things I would say. Um, it's the the kind of thing that I was always super excited about in space exploration that I man- never managed to get to because I couldn't commit enough time to it. Um, so this this is an exciting mm-hmm. piece. Can't wait to get to. Yeah, and what was uh? There was one more big thing they had with it, which might be in the next update. Oh, it is in the next update. So yeah. I'll wait till the next section. All right. Uh, the next piece is about logistics groups. And it talks about how rocket carry capacity is based on weight, not stacks or number of items. You can travel in the rocket, but can't take anything with you. Only weapons and armor, like we just mentioned. Um, you can load the ma- rockets manually or with logistics network. You can do planet-to-planet shipments by launching a rocket to a platform, having the platform travel to the planet, and then drop the rocket to the landing pad on the destination planet. And your logistic groups are synced across multiple entities, so you can have a specific loadout you want for Spidertrons, add that to all Spidertrons, and ever updated it will sync to all those spidertrons that it's been added to yeah so that's really important when you're doing resupply rockets right so you're going to have that shipment loop where you're going to rockets launching the platforms traveling to a planet coming back right and like loading of the rockets let's say you want to add an item to it well now all the rocket launchers you have you can add the logistics groups and those logistics groups are synchronized across whatever entities they are. So right now, as it sits, you can copy paste the loadout of a like a storage uh, chest, for instance, right? You can uh, not the storage chest, but like a re re requester chest or a provider chest or what, or the, the, uh, the, the buffer chest, right? You can select how you want those loaded out, but you have to go to each entity and, reconfigure it if you change it in this case you group them all by a logistics group and if you change one they all change it's kind of the the gist of it so definitely helps if you're running around i know on the big mega bases i do i do a like a resupply outpost that's away from the main base so i don't have to walk back to the main base to fill my guy back up to walk back out so i'll place a blueprint down but I've never updated it since I created the first one because once the game's going, I don't have to walk to five different resupply bases to reconfigure all of them. So I'm excited to, about the logistics groups going forward. Yeah, and another another note that came through in this is that you can put in logistics requests on your orbital platforms, and that will flow through to your rocket silos and they will automatically be able to request you know the whatever you want on your platform from your chests on the planet and launch a rocket automatically to fulfill that request yeah that's huge takes a lot of the uh the tediousness out of it out of there right You, you don't need to load your own rocket And I'm I'm curious to see. So there's a, a limit to what the rocket can carry, as we said. I'm wondering if there's going to be a new end game research that will increase that. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see because it's not very much right now. I think they said what a thousand kilograms. Yep. And you're talking uh, ores are two kilograms per item, and then yeah, so you only get five hundred. Sort of. How things <laughs> only five hundred ore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it'll be. Very interesting to see. They're, what they're trying to that. encourage you to not send everything from one place into space to, right. to try and do stuff in space or on other planets instead of shipping it around. Oh, there is one big thing. I don't know if this is coming up or if we talked about it, but the cost of building a rocket is one twentieth that it's going to be um, in the expansion. So you don't have to worry about. Yeah, you're going to have to. Sh- to launch a lot more rockets to move stuff around, but the rockets are going to be a lot, lot cheaper. I mean, five five percent of the cost they are right now. Yeah, that's huge. I, uh, as someone who's only launched like five rockets total across all my playthroughs of Factorio, I'm excited about that part. Oh come on, man! I'm launch. I have a one that launches four a minute. <laughs> I I have never built a mega base. I got to do a mega base. They're so much fun. Yeah. Well. 
And then the next more time and I will. (laughs) Then the next big update, one of the ones that I'm most excited for is super forced building. So the main draw of this is in early game, I end up building really big solar and and, uh, accumulator farms, but then they end up going the way of the dodo once I get nuclear up and running. In this case, I don't have to go around deleting them all. If I need to place something in their spot, you just do a control shift click. And when you place the blueprint down over uh, any entities that already exist, those entities will be removed from, uh, they'll, they'll have a delete the red X over them. So then your bots can delete them before it places the blueprint down. So it's, it's really nice if there's a collision, super force building, the blueprint will override it and destroy anything under it. Additionally to that, if you're on the space platform, for instance, and you want to place buildings down, and if you do a super force building, it'll automatically place the blueprint to expand the platform. It'll add additional platform to it. And same thing with water. So if you place a blueprint over water, you can super force build it, and it'll automatically blueprint the landfill for you. And then if you ever need to remove that landfill in the future, let's say you change your mind with what you placed, you can actually mine back landfill at this point. So that'll, that's really helpful because there's been more than one occasion where I placed a bunch of landfill down and then greatly regretted it because I placed it in the wrong spot. And, you know, in the current state of the game, it's pretty much permanent unless you have the, the water fill mod. So. And this, I, I, it seems like the main impetus to this is really the uh, the space platforms where you can't like build on the empty space around. You need to be able to actually fill out the platform. So if you want to use blueprints on your uh, on your space platform, you kind of need to have it make the underlying platform to get those blueprints down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, very welcome change. Yeah, and something we hadn't talked about that isn't in this is the speed at which your space platform moves is dependent upon the size of it. So the bigger it is, the slower it moves or the more engines and more fuel you need to move it. So you only want to build as much space platform as you need to do the job. You don't want a whole bunch of excess space platform, right? Because it's going to slow it down and cost you more resources. So it's really nice to have that. And then one other feature they added to this is if you're placing a, like a rail blueprint and you have a bunch of belts that go through an area, when you place the blueprints, it'll automatically place undergrounders for you wherever there's a collision on it. So it's really nice. Yeah. And if you put like a, if you have a main bus, which a lot of us do, and you want to place a roboport in the middle of your main bus because you want to expand it, you place the roboport, it'll automatically put undergrounders wherever it conflicts. So it's really nice with the, you know, as you're expanding your base or getting more into the late game buildings and need a place to, to put them. Then I'm going to let you also talk about the next one, uh, yep. Combinators 2.0, because sure. you're much more into circuits than I am. Yeah. So then the next big Friday fact they talked about was the Combinators 2.0. Uh, it's a big enhancement to the Combinator system. The first is you know, visually just seeing more information from the Combinator screen. And also when you're a few more options around the visibility of the options within it. And then also as you hook up wires to like a decider Combinator, the game will kind of guess what you're trying to do with it. Um, so if, if you hook it up to a chest that has coal in it, for instance, right? Uh, when you hook it up to an entity, it'll automatically show coal greater than 500 is what they showed in the example. So it already saw you hooked it up to a chest that had something in it. Instead of you having to hunt and peck around for the item or figure out, it'll automatically think, he probably wants something to do with coal if this is hooked up to something with coal. So it'll there's a little bit of predictive logic in there. And then probably the biggest improvement is around the combinators, like a decider combinator is it could process more than one operation at a time. So you can do and and ors within a single combinator now. Uh, this is huge because some of the computations you might do for a, little, a logistic circuit might have 
dozens of arithmetic and decider combinators, and this will greatly reduce the number that you need to get to the same end result. So definitely simplifies building up the logistic circuits. And despite not using logistic circuits much uh, in the past, this is also one of my favorite FFFs. Um, because, you know, a, a lot of them drop little nuggets of game dev wisdom. Um, that's, you know, the Factorio devs are really good about that. They, they talk about the decision process behind a lot of the changes they make in a lot of different places. Um, and one thing they talk about in this that feels like a no-brainer when you see it, but most devs don't actually understand. Um, they say they've learned that it's better to use disabled and enabled state on control elements that you can turn on and off instead of making them like disappear and reappear as, as they become available. So uh, in a lot of places in Factorial, you'll notice that even if it's not possible to use a, a function on something, you'll still see the option for it. It'll just maybe be grayed out, and you'll know that it's a possibility, so you might be able to fix what makes it unavailable. But in circuits, this was one of the places where they hadn't done this. So, you know, you, your circuit uh, UI will get larger and larger as you make more things be possible based on how you've connected things instead of showing you all the possible options and then uh, letting you enable or disable them as those become available. Um, so th this is just one of those one of those behind the scenes things that's like, oh, this is this is good game design. If they're they're changing this from from bad game design to good game design by showing you all the possible options so that you know what is possible within this particular area. And then the next uh, FFF is about asteroid collecting. Uh, this is expanding on the space platform. Um, it showed off how the asteroid collectors came to be and the graphics of them. It's a very visual one, so it's hard to describe easily. You'll want to go look through this blog post if you haven't already. Goes over their trials and tribulations of creating these tentacle-like arms to pluck asteroids out of space to get things like metals and ice, and, uh, so you can build things and fuel your space platform. Um, it went through things like tractor beams or harpoons, uh, but none of it felt quite right until they figured out a way to make these like sort of articulated tentacle arms that look really cool. Um, and that lets them, you know, lets you gather all these things that are drifting through space around your space platform so that you can use it in your production. And to highlight what you were saying, this is that this is a perfect example where Wu, where Wubei software is super transparent about the entire process and the thought that went into how they did it. So. Well, this is a, doesn't have much to do with the gameplay at the end of the day, right? You're going to have asteroid collectors. But it really shows how much work and how much depth they put into and the amount of thinking that went behind the scenes. And there's a ton of math and different shapes they went through to get this to work properly, yeah. right? It, it, it doesn't matter to the player if it's a harpoon or a tentacle arm uh, directly, but... It's just about immersion and making you feel like you're playing Factorio versus something else. Yeah. And then the first of the big planets that they released in the FFF was around Vulcanus. So Vulcanus is a it's the closest planet to the sun. This is, I guess it would be like a, like a Venus or something, right? So... So, volcano planet, there's a lot of lava, there's sulfur everywhere, um, there's coal, there's no oil on this planet, there's only coal, there's also only tungsten as a resource, and also a new one called calcite. Uh, so that's the first two resources that they introduced that were new. 
Um, there's also sulfuric acid. I guess that's a third one. And then lava is a resource that they're introducing as well. And lava, you can use a, I believe it's going to be calcite, is going to be used to extract the iron, copper, and then a byproduct of is stone. And you can toss the stone or you can toss anything into lava really to get rid of it. Use as a trash, similar to with space platforms, how you can just toss items back into space if you have an excess of them. Um, they went into the different um, biomes that are within the, the planet. Uh, the first is the mountains, tons of cliffs. And it's pretty cool. They use just a simple 2D cliff to really make it look like there's actually mountains on there. That's yeah, um, really well designed. Very well, yep. Yeah, so the Ashlands, you know, they're the most flat and I guess op most open of all the biomes will be the ones that you're going to have most of your buildings. Uh, the mountains are where the resources are going to be, the calcite and the tungsten. Um, but it's difficult to build there because the density of cliffs is pretty outrageous. And then you're going to have the lava rivers and the lava lakes and all that. But you're going you're gonna to need to mine that as well because lava is now a new resource. Um, so that's going to be an important as well, but obviously you can't build over it because it's lava, right? And then there is some vegetation there. They have a version of trees basically growing on it that will give you a little bit of wood. And but overall, it's a uh, they did a great job making it not look like your stereotypical lava planet. The use of the cliffs and the lava rivers. And the visuals overall are just really well done on this planet and really excited. I mean, this is, <laughs> you know, just teasing this and the amount of thought that went in into building this is, it's, it's so in-depth. Like, you can't believe the amount of work that they do on it. Yeah, it, it, it seems incredible. That it's gorgeous. They even talk about, like, the math of the starting area where they make sure that you've got all the different types of terrain that you're going to need with a mountain, a basin, and an Ashland Plateau. So you can not only get the all the different items you need, the sulfuric acid, calcite, coal, tungsten, but also see what sort of terrain that they exist on so that when you're exploring, you can figure out what's going to be in each different area. Um, yeah, just that having that that early pointer is good game design again. Um, yeah, it's a gorgeous looking planet. I'm very excited to see it. So then speaking of Vulcanus, why don't you take us into the, the most recent uh, FFF that was published as of yeah. this re recording. Yeah, last week they talked about swimming in lava. They titled it. Um, it's talking more about Vulcanus, but from the factory standpoint, rather than about the visuals and the planet. The main crafting theme, theme is metallurgy. Metallurgy? I never know how to pronounce that. M metallurgy, yeah. Metallurgy. All right. Uh, the foundry is the main building. It's a very large building. Uh, it looks awesome. They talk a little bit about, you know, designing that building and uh, it's got a lot of interesting animation and molten metal it uses molten metal like including lava and also pure metals and it makes among other things the metallurgic science pack which is orange i'm excited to see all the new science packs and figure out how to make them but using the molten metal in this allows for some alternative recipes um one of the things that they felt like they were limited by they talked about is having the recyclers now they can't really have alternate recipes for a lot of different things because the recycler needs to know exactly what to break things down to but with the foundry going from the molten metal obviously the recycles recycler is not going to break things down into molten metal so you can have all kinds of recipes using molten metal that are different from the the primary recipes so you can not only make iron plates from molten iron, but also iron gear wheels or, you know, copper wires from molten copper along with copper plates. Um, it's 
a very versatile building. It sounds pretty amazing. Uh, it's also a very large building. It's got a 50% productivity bonus, which is exciting. And it's got four slots for modules. So all those late game efficiency buffs will have a, a field day with this one. And then they talk a little bit about the main new resource being tungsten. Now, aside from the calcite and the sulfuric acid, but the primary thing it sounds like for progressing your game forward is tungsten. And your normal mining drill can't handle tungsten because it's so hard. So you've got a big mining drill that you get are able to research once you're on Vulcanus. It is five times faster than the main mining drill. Instead of 0.5 items, uh, it does 2.5 items per second. And it's got a much larger mining area. It's 13 by 13. And possibly most excitingly, it reduces the resource drain on those items by 50%. So sort of, uh, you know, a lot of the late game infinite research is going to be pushed later because you're going to all these different planets and you have more steps in your research. So you're not going to get your mining efficiency as early. And this will reduce the need for that as you go forward. It'll sort of remove that bottleneck on uh, your resource patches. There are a few other differences, like you can pull sulfuric acid directly from your vents. There's no water. You need to pull that out from sulfuric acid instead of doing it the other way around like you do on Novice. You won't get any oil, but coal is all over the place. And this is like we talked about earlier, where coal liquefaction will come into play. And there will be a simplified version of coal liquefaction where you won't need heavy oil to start the process because you won't have any oil on this planet. You wouldn't be able to do that. There's no uranium here. You won't be able to have a nuclear power plant without shipping the resources from somewhere else. And lava is a resource. You use it in the foundry to get molten iron and copper with some stone as a byproduct. So there are no natural deposits of those. As a result, it will all have to come from the lava. And calcite, besides tungsten, is the other new resource. And you can use that to clean and purify a lot of the recipes, like neutralizing sulfuric acid or processing the lava. This, is, this was a, a huge one. Um, so much information about the new planet, and it got me really excited for not only this planet, but also what they're doing for the rest of them. And I like it too, because there's, there's, there's a reason to have these bigger buildings, bigger drills, more efficient buildings. Is It's going to reduce your, your UPS over time, right? As you get to a single entity, mining five times faster is more UPS friendly than... Five entities mining five times slower. So definitely. I get it. You get to optimize and do a better job with the UPS and take the place of all those mods that do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I use the the UPS grade upgrade mod right now for the mining drill. And you can create an basically one drill for an entire mining patch, but it's it's a little OP to be honest. So yeah. Yeah, I definitely like what they're doing here. And the only thing I can't tell is looking at the one animation, it looks like there's a, sulf a sulfur pipe hooked up to all the mining drills, mm. regardless of what they're mining. So I'm curious if, uh, similar to a uranium field, if sulfuric acid is going to be required to run these big mining drills. They don't say... It makes sense. Yeah. Now, there's nothing neat. in here about it, but... Yeah. And now they... they... You're right. I, I hadn't really looked at the images that in depth, but there are, there are a few pipe uh, entry spots, a couple on oh, each side. On the one video there, there's no pipe. It's just just the drill. So, hmm. never mind. I don't know. In the in the screenshot of them actually doing things, yeah, maybe it depends on the resource. We'll find out in time. Yeah, the the screenshot is just of coal. Or the tungsten. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. The tungsten. 
but the other one has like iron and uranium and mm-hmm. hmm. I don't know. Very interesting. It's definitely interesting. Or maybe it's a speed boost or something. Oh, I didn't think about that. That could be. So then that's all the Friday fun facts up until like Friday fun facts. That was all the Factorio Friday facts up to this point. They are fun. They are fun. Yes. Um, What would you say you're most looking forward to of the uh, dozen or so that we went over? Um, I, I'm very excited to be playing around with lava, but it's hard to, it's hard to trump the multi-level trains. Mm. Those, those elevated trains are, as, as a Chicagoan, I'm very used to elevated trains. Right. And, uh, with with the L. The yeah. fact that I'll be able to build them. <laughs> Just recreate Chicago in... In Factorio. You can have the train flow the right direction this time, though. Or the uh, river flow the right direction this time. Yeah. <laughs> Put it back and forth. <laughs> yeah, Landfill. I'm, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think the trains, like if I had to do like top yeah. three trains, definitely. Um, absolutely looking forward to getting on a Vulcanist. That just sounds... Sounds so sweet, getting a lot of cool buildings. And then, I don't know, I like, I really like the logistics upgrades. I mean, I'm a mega base guy, I use a ton of logistics here or there, and uh, it'd be nice to get some QL on that. So, yeah, space platforms look really cool too. Wanna, wanna build my cool spaceship, something that I never managed to get far enough into space exploration to do. Neither did I. It was just so in-depth and never got around to it. Yeah. So the question is, the first Friday fact came out late August. Um, that's when they initially teased Space Age. What are your predictions for uh, a, a release date? Get any predictions on that? Uh, I... I don't really want to speculate because I know it's going to break my heart. I'm I'm going to say next December. See, I think they uh, they put it out in August when they did because I think they had one year to go. So I'm going with the nice birthday present for me in August the next year. So yeah, I think that's their plan, but I think it's going to fall to <laughs> December. Probably. Either way, looking looking forward to it. Yeah, so I know we both had to go get another refill. What are you drinking this time around on your second bottleneck? Well, I decided to go uh, significantly less alcoholic, which is not hard from my 14%, but I still stayed well above average for beer. I am now on to a Bell's Black Note Stout from this year. Yet another bourbon barrel-aged beer. Um, this one's only 11% instead of 14.5%. Uh, definitely tastes less hot than the Bourbon County Stout, unsurprisingly, but it is really tasty as well. Um, the Bells is in Michigan. They make some excellent beers. Um, but this one, yeah, this one is phenomenal. It says it's got chocolate espresso, dried fruit notes, but yeah, it's a, it's a prime stout. Wonderful dark beer. How about you? Bells, what do you got? Yeah, Bill. Yeah, Bell's is a phenomenal uh, brewery. I mean, the Two-Hearted Ale that they make is one beer of the year at the big beer awards that they do or whatever the big competitions. One beer of the year multiple times. So. Yeah. Not my favorite style, that one, but some of their you other be beers a, are amazing. You got to be a West Coast IPA guy, so. Yeah. Yeah, so I got uh, another homebrew. So this is my version of the Great Lakes Christmas Ale. It's based almost directly upon the original recipe for Great Lakes Christmas Ale. Um, 
Let's see. They actually call them, uh, they have their own category. It's actually called like a Cleveland Ale slash a Winter Warmer. Uh, they're the ones that made that style famous in that area. So uh, it's dark brown beer. It's eight and a half percent is my version. It's got honey, ginger, and cinnamon in it. But overall phenomenal. Came out great. Uh, I had both the barrel aged Great Lakes and the original Great Lakes in cans this year. And we had multiple people do blind taste tests between the two at the Christmas party this year. And uh, mine actually beat the original Great Lakes almost unanimously in a blind taste test. So Very I'll impressive. take it. Yeah, I'll take it. So I'm waiting for my shipment of it. So I should probably bottle it up before it's all gone then. <laughs> I'll take a keg. I'm not, mm-hmm. not picky. I can make more. So. <laughs> So then outside of uh, what's in your glass, what else have you been playing lately? Yeah, I have not been playing a lot because doing a renovation, I'm on parental leave with the new baby, but also my mother-in-law got sick and has been in, in the hospital a lot. And I've been also dealing with the other kids almost all the time. Been uh. Not a whole lot of free time. Um, most of my time has been spent with the Switch, playing Harvestella. Gotten pretty far into that. I plan on beating the game probably in the next couple weeks. It's, it's got its hooks in me. I'm interested in finishing the story as well as enjoying the farming and the RPG parts of it. Uh, on and off in the factory game space, been playing Evo Space. Um, this one got its hooks into me because it's got a lot of really interesting complexity but it's also got some kind of absurd complexity there are too many buildings and it's too hard to automate all the things that you need to, to put down in the world so i've soured on it a little bit more recently um, but there's still it, it's still a very very neat one um if you like complexity in your factory game evo space <laughs> is a a good route to take well yeah um, I also fired up Nova Lands recently. Um, I'm going to play some more of that to get through some of the content in the new update. Um, yeah, just I, I enjoyed that one the first time around, and I feel like it could be fun to, to play through all the new stuff. And the last thing isn't actually a game, um, but on one of the factory game subreddits, I don't know which one, it might have been Satisfactory, Somebody plugged their book uh, called Colony Builders. It's sort of in the lit RPG genre, if you're familiar. But instead, it's like a factory game style. Not exactly a, an incredible work of literature. It's not, not going to make any uh, classic lists. But I enjoyed reading it a great deal. It's, it's fun, even if it's not uh, exactly the the most compelling story is a, a is weird romance one? shoehorned into it a little bit, but is that yeah, the one I, by, by Han Yang? Yes, that's the one. Um, yeah. If, if you like slightly trashy fantasy sci-fi type books, uh, <laughs> I would definitely recommend tr- checking this one out. And the tick of factory automation base builder and added romance into it. That's new. Yeah, only a little bit. <laughs> not not enough to make it unreadable. So, how about you? What have you been playing? Yeah, so as of late, I've actually really looking or firing up the Steam Deck a lot, trying to figure out which game I'm going to play during the multitude of ski trips we have planned this winter. So, trying to figure out and optimize. Probably going to go with either Satisfactory or Tectonica. Those seem to be kind of the first-person ones are the ones that play the best. Um, I did fire up Factorio on it, but I need to completely rebind because the official controls for it. I don't know who who was had too many bottlenecks themselves when they when they decided the official layout for that, but it's it's not good. So I got to sit down and spend an hour and rebind every single key to something that makes sense. So. Yeah, I recently fired up the Switch again and decided to try a peaceful game of Factorio and just like, 
again, bounced off the controls pretty hard. I don't have time <laughs> for that shit. Yeah. No, I get it, man. Uh, but yeah. So doing that, so I've played a little bit of Tectonica Satisfactory Factorio and DSP all the last couple weeks. Just trying to prime. And then mostly, I think I was telling you before we got started that I've been uh, playing with the settings of Steam Deck doing the underclock, or they call it undervolting, where, you know, if you won the silicon lottery with the chips in your Steam Deck, you can reduce the voltage to the chips, but they you don't lose any performance. Actually, you'll gain performance because they'll run cooler, they'll extend your battery life, and in a lot of cases, you'll actually get an increase in frames because it's running cooler, right? So I've been working on that, and it looks like I won the silicon lottery with it, so I've been able to pretty much max out the undervolting which makes me very happy because probably get another 20% of battery life out of it at this point over very the nice. stock settings. So very happy with that. And then Steam's just been releasing all kinds of updates and improvements to it as well. So you know, even the I know I was talking about getting an OLED one. I'll probably order one here shortly, but uh yeah, very happy even with the you know the first gen one that I bought. So wow. You do order the OLED, let me know so I can steal your old one and not order my own OLED. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us tonight as we recap the latest news on the Factorio expansion and drink some wonderful beers. If you have any suggestions for us, please let us know. Feel free to join us on our Discord server. Uh, Discord server, by the way, that's been growing, and there has been some awesome interactions with the developers there. Uh, a lot of new games that are up and coming that a lot of us didn't know, you know, didn't have them on our radar. But because of the Discord server, there's been a lot of eyes on what's happening in the in the genre. And then, as always, you can head over to our website, bottlenetgaming.com, where we have blog posts and links to the podcast on there, and also a big games database that we try to keep up to date. And we'll see you next time. As always, the factory must grow.